steps in the Christian life. It's been a great series. And uh, today is our last installment, but I wanted to, if we could, just kind of review very quickly what we've done for the last three weeks, just to catch you up. Uh, three weeks ago, Wesley talked about the fact that our, our steps beyond belief has to involve a relationship with God. And our relationship with God is much more than just a one-time event, a one-time belief, a one-time baptism, but that it has to do with an enduring and, and long-road relationship that, that reflects the greatness of God in our lives, that, that takes advantage of the fact that He is close with us, that He is right beside us, and that also reflects His humility. Those things are very important in our relationship with God. And then we talked about the next week about how it is important for us to partner with God's church, that He gave us the church. He never intended for us to walk out our faith alone. But instead, He has given us the church so that we will not be isolated. He's given us others to partner with to accomplish His mission. And then last week, we talked about how that it's, it's important that we intentionally enter into an apprenticeship relationship with God and with those who are ahead of us in the faith. A discipleship is, is the word that's used often in the scriptures. And so we... Uh, y'all are pointing at something. Oh, the video. That's all right. We'll, we'll show that at the end. <laughs> we forgot a little video here. and we're, we're, They were signaling me back there. But anyway, the, the discipleship piece is this. Christ originally called his followers and said, Come and see. But then he brought them to a place where he could tell them, go and do. Well, today is what we're going to talk about, the go and do. Today is when we're going to talk about the go and do. And like the Blues Brothers, we're on a mission from God. So that's what today is about. Now, there's a popular phrase in the church right now, and I'm not sure where it originated, but I love it. And it's this. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. Well, I want to make it even more personal for, for you and for me. As a follower of Christ, I, I don't have a mission, but the mission has me. From the very start of our faith journey, God wants to use you and He wants to use me right away. Where we are, wherever we live, the people that we're seeing. He wants to go where we're going and He wants to serve the people that we see every single day. Another word that's used often today and it's kind of a popular term is the word missional. And you'll see a ton of books. If you go in the Christian bookstore, you'll just see a ton of books written about missional churches. What is that? Well, it's not just a phase, and it's not just a fad, but it's something that actually reaches back to the original intent of following Christ, of a person who wants to live beyond belief. You see, this, this mission, missional life means that it's a life focused on living for God, focused on living... The mission of God. So when we talk about the mission of God, what do we mean? Well, I want to uh, read some of these, uh, these authors that I'm talking about that have a ton of books. Uh, the first one is Phil Riken. He says, One of the last gifts Jesus gave to the church was a clear, unambiguous statement of its mission to the world. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth. That great commission is still in effect. And although it was the first given to the apostles, it is a mission statement for all Christians at all times and all places. And I want to remind you, I want to read the rest of that mission statement. It's found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You've heard it before probably, and you'll hear it again. But it's this. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is your mission, and that's my mission. Another thinker and author, Gabe Lyons, wrote it this way. He explains our mission by suggesting that God commissioned us to share the whole story of God and to become conduits for Him to bring healing to earth and its residents. Like a capstone to the story of God, Christians are called to partner in a restorative work so that the torch of hope is carried until Christ returns. And then he continues, We are on a mission partnering with God to breed justice and mercy and peace and compassion and generosity into the world. Christians believe that in small ways they are turning back the hands of time to give the world a glimpse of what the world looked like before sin entered the picture. I love that. Wesley quoted this scripture last week, the words of Jesus where he said, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. The call to live a life on mission comes directly from the heart of God. You see, Jesus was the ultimate missionary. In His incarnation, now if you're not familiar with that word, the incarnation is when Jesus, God, took the form of a human. He took on flesh and blood. His incarnation was the greatest and most important example and step of a missional life. I love how John 1.14 reads in the Message Bible. And it says this, The Word, that is Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Another passage I love from the Message Bible says it this way, Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of Himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of Himself that He had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. And having become human, he stayed human. And it was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. So what do we mean when we say... We want you to live an incarnational life. We're challenged to live an incarnational life. Well, this won't be on the screen, but it's what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 9 when he said, I become all things to all people, so that by any means possible, I might win some. I might save some. It's us, it's us putting, putting on and learning on other people, becoming what we are not so that we might save some. And that's what Jesus did. This is uh, from Brandon Hatmaker from Barefoot Church. When we say we are to live incarnationally, we mean we are to put on Jesus and represent Him by focusing on being His hands and feet to our world to live on mission. This includes but is not limited to serving the least. It might be ascending toward your neighbor or to a complete stranger in need. Either way, the focus is essentially on the church becoming missionaries to our culture. Wesley mentioned this last week, but the mission of Tri-Cities Church is to help people join God's mission in their communities. We want to be a church full of people who want to be the church every day. There's a song that's, that's sung, as a praise song, and it says, what, Let what we do in here 
fill the streets out there. And that's the kind of church we want to be, a, a church that has people who are filling the streets of East Point and Hayville and College Park and other areas in Atlanta who are living their lives on mission, people who are living their lives with their eyes wide open looking for opportunities. The key word here is intentional. To live on mission is to intentionally situate yourself in places and in, in positions to partner with God to breed justice and mercy and peace and compassion and generosity to the world. We sing a song here, a praise song that has the line, Break my heart for what breaks yours. And every time we sing that song, I think about Jesus and, and I think about what, what did break his heart. And I remember back in Luke when he was approaching the city of Jerusalem and his heart broke, he began to weep. And he said... If only you knew what would really bring you peace. If only you knew, but it's hidden from your eyes. And that's key for us as Christians. To live a missional life means that what breaks God's heart breaks my heart. What pleases God pleases me. What is His will is my will. That's missional living. Well, the historic church has debated what the mission of, of, of God is. Some say the mission is for us to proclaim the salvation that is available, the forgiveness of sins, the eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ alone. And others have said, no, no, the mission of the church is to feed the hungry, to clothe the poor, to advocate for justice and peace and life. Which is it? Well, the answer is both. It's both. God desires for us to do both. That's the mission of the church. One goes hand in hand with the other. And you can't have one without the other. Now the key passage of Scripture this morning comes from Matthew 5. So if you will turn with me to that, Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. And I'm going to ask J.D. to come up and he's going to read that and he's going to talk to us a little bit about Matthew 5. All right. Matthew 5, 13-16 You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. All right. So, hey... My name is JD. What's up? Uh, I just want to start by saying, Happy Father's Day, Daddy. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so some of you might be wondering, what, what does Jesus mean when he says we need to be the salt and light of the earth? Well, we can actually figure this out by taking a look at some of the practical uses for both salt and light. Uh, we're gonna, let's, let's start by looking at uh, salt. So what does salt do? Well, one thing salt does is it adds flavor. A lot of people, they'll put salt on their food. Um, they'll do it without even thinking about it. Like, even if the food's already salted, they'll put salt on it just because they know that it adds flavor. Well, similar to this, we need to add God to the world. Just like we're adding flavor to that food, we need to add God to the world. First uh, Peter 2.12 says, uh, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. If we live our lives this way, then people will notice. Another thing that salt does is uh, it makes us thirsty. 
I think about this like every time that I go into a Chinese restaurant, just because <laughs> the food is always so salty. Like I end up drinking like 10 glasses of water just because the food's so sal- salty. Well, as the salt of the earth, we need to make people thirst for Jesus, the living water. If they, if they can see him in our lives and see the joy that he's bringing us, then they'll want that too. Another thing salt can be used for is it can be used medically. Um, a lot of times if you have like an injury or a burn or whatever, you can put uh, salt on it and it'll prevent inflammation or uh, infection. Well, that's what God put us here for. He put us here to heal the world. Matthew 25, 35-36 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. So being this salt of the earth means to help those in need. It means to to be there for those who who are hurt. And it means to to help those who are seeking God. And and finally, salt is a preservative. Uh, And a lot of preservatives today, you can find salt as an ingredient. And especially throughout history, salt would be used to keep things fresh. Especially uh, with without refrigeration salt could be used to keep like meats fresh and god put us here so that we could preserve this world this world is is a sinful world and we need to be here not only to keep our other brothers and sisters in christ in check but to help those who who uh haven't found jesus just just to help them find him all right now let's talk about light a little bit light bulb (laughs) all right so what does it mean to be the light of the world? Well, let's look at some things that, uh, that light can do for us. Well, for one, uh, light can de- defer evil. And <laughs> Wait, is it defer or deter? Deter. Deter, that's the one. Deter evil. <laughs> defer. Deter evil. So uh, in a lot of movies today, you can see this. Uh, you'll see it in stories where there's a good guy. And like often in the scenes with the good guy, it'll be done in like this well-lit area. It'll be light to portray him. And then there'll be the bad guy who's put in this like dark area and dark. And then whenever the fight comes, when the good guy wins, it's always like this light scene like dawn coming up. And it's, it's not only this thing that, that Hollywood's made, but it can be found throughout like uh, society today. Uh, for example, in a park in Chattanooga, there, there was having, they were having problems with crime. So they put up all these LED lights, and having the lights on actually lowered the crime rate. Well, that's our mission here as Light of the World, to help deter evil, to help stop it. And not only stop it, but to help change it. Change the people who have been doing doing evil things and change them them to to seek after God. Uh, Let's see. Ephesians 5, 8 through 13 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord, live, live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of, in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So what else does light do? Light, well, probably what you think about most, it helps us see. I can't tell you how many times I wake up in the middle of the night and it's just pitch black in my room. I'm stumbling around trying to find the bathroom and I trip over all this stuff, mainly because I have a ton of junk on my floor. But <laughs> once I'm able to turn the light on, I can see all this stuff in my way and I can see it uh, and I can make a, a path according to that to get out of it. And similar as lights, we need to see around us. We need to see people who are struggling, see people who are seeking after 
seeking after God and help them in their relationship. Because if we're living life in the dark, how are we going to be able to see the world around us? Another thing that light does is it can help us, it can help growth. Now, this year uh, at school, we had a choice between three science classes. We could choose physics, anatomy, or um, earth science. I chose earth science, not really because I had any interest at earth science at all, but because we got to go on a week-long field trip. So I chose that one. But I did get to brush up on my knowledge a little bit of photosynthesis, which most of you probably know what that is. But just to give like a simple definition, it's the process uh, in how plants use food to make energy. And that helps them grow. Well, as lights, we need to help others grow towards Christ. Just, just like the plant grows with light, when people see the light of God in us, they need to grow towards Him. And finally, light attracts. Uh, I, I think about this all the time when I'm outside and I see it's night and I see bugs flying towards light. I don't know what compels them to fly towards the light, but they're always, they just seek it. They go straight for it. So as lights of the world... Others will be attracted to us. They'll see something different about us, and they'll, and they'll want to know more. And then we need to use that to attract them towards God. So all of these different characteristics of, of light, and dark, light, and darkness, light and salt are, are what God has called us to do. He wants us to use this to, to, to teach people what it means to be part of his family. And you may, you may ask, what, what does that have to do with missional? Well, being... Salt and light is being missional. And it's what he's called all of his followers to do. Yeah. <laughs> Wesley Kim, Stacy, and I went to play at Tri-Cities Church, uh, Tri High School uh, uh, just a few months ago. And... Uh, one of the guys was singing his solo, and I mean, he was deep into it. And out from, from the back, this guy, that's my boy! <laughs> and that's what I wanted to do just now. So <laughs> I thought it might throw him off a little bit. <laughs> so, um, well, thank you, J.D. That was, that was, that was great. Well, we have five words that describe what we value here at Tri-Cities Church. And those, those words are, are, are going to, you're going to hear them until you just chase us off the stage, say, don't say them to us anymore, and then we're going to keep saying them to you. Because it's what we want to see, see each of us living as we leave this place, as we leave this building here on Ben Hill Road and go wherever you go. We want to see you be people of grace. We want to see that you are a person that, that lives your life authentically, that you value diversity and that you seek it in, in, in your own circles. That you, you have a life that is a simple life, a life of simplicity, that it's not cluttered. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean your living room, I mean your life. And that you're a generous person. But those five words are, are, are missional living. They are being salt and light. They are intentional. They are incarnational. So I wanted to end today, and I, I didn't want to end with, without giving you some practical ideas, um, because often we'll, we'll um, you know, as the church, just give the, the lofty ideals and then not say, okay, but here's how to do it. Um, and we want to be a church, and we have been, uh, where we, we give you, okay, 
now go and do this. So here it is today. Stacy's going to pass out, um, and Blair are going to pass out um, a thing called simple, simplified missional living. And it's something that I found online, um, but I thought it was a very, some very valuable suggestions to help us as we walk out of this place to be able to live missional lives, to live incarnationally, to live intentionally. And so if we can, um, I'd like for us just to quickly go through this and be challenged by it, be encouraged by it, and hopefully go out and do some of this stuff. Um, what was cool for us, for Stacy and, and me, is that we read through this list, and I, I will admit a lot of it has to do with the fact that we are planting a church, but we felt like, wow, we are doing a lot of this. And that's not to brag, that's just to say that, that God has us on this path. And so it is coming not just as, hey, these are helpful suggestions, but we are actually doing it and living it. And I want to tell you this, before we start going through them, they'll wear you out. It, you're going you're gonna to be tired if you do these things. Okay, so some of you are already going, oh, I don't have, oh, it's going to, yeah, you'll be tired. But I want to tell you this on this side of it too, it is so, so, so worth it. The reward of, of, of living a missional life is so, so worth it. It's worth being tired. It's worth the extra hours. Some people say, you know, you don't, you don't have to do anything extra. Well, yeah, this is, this is probably, now some of it is, is things that you're probably already doing. And the first one is that. You already eat, right? I hope you do. I enjoy it a lot. But the first suggestion is this. Eat with people who are unconnected with God or the church. It's, it sounds so simple, but we weren't doing it before. and Now we have. We've begun to, um, to invite and have dinner with, with people that are not in the church, that are not connected with God. And if you're not a cook, we don't cook a lot around our house. Um, you know, just go out to eat or order pizza. But make the conversation the thing. And I love the little sentence at the end. It says, flee the Christian subculture. Can I use the word ghetto? Flee the Christian ghetto. You know, flee it. Get out of the bubble. Get out of the circle. Get out, get out of that huddle. And then this one's great. Walk, don't drive. Now, I want to tell you this. Tri-Cities Church was started with a walk. It started with a walk that I challenged the people of Christian Church Buckhead to do. And I started walking around Hapeville in my neighborhood and realizing I didn't know my neighbors. And so that's where we were birthed. But if you would, would you get out and, and, and instead of, um, let's just say you've got you to have milk or something. Well, milk's probably a bad example. It needs to stay refrigerated. You need some salt. You need salt. So you, uh, you walk to the convenience store instead of riding. Or just take a walk every night. Bring, if you have kids, bring the kids, bring the dog. It starts conversations. But it's being intentional about getting to know your neighbors and getting to know your neighborhood. Engage. And then the, this next one I love, be a regular. Wesley has mentioned this. Be a regular at, at a place. He and I are a regular at drip. They know us. Elliot knows us. Um, I always, well, no, he kind of knows what I want when I go in. Does he know what you want? You know, he already, he's already pouring it. He already knows exactly what we want. Um, I'm a regular at Chick-fil-A. Those, those girls behind the counter know that I want a half unsweet tea, half diet lemonade. Uh, skinny Arnold Palmer is what they call that. But um, they already know. 
they already know. Be a regular and, and get to know people at, at businesses and um, at the grocery store. Um, shop at the same place intentionally. Hobby with people outside the church. Um, now, you, if you read this one on the paper, you can see that I didn't edit very well, and it does say to join the local rowing team. Um, good luck with that. <laughs> if you can find the local rowing team, you join it, okay? Um, but there are plenty of things that you can do to join locally. Um, you can even start something. My wife, Stacy started a book club, and some of you in this room are in that book club. Uh, but something you already love to do, um, join other people in doing it. And be missional about it. Be intentional. And, and make sure that it's with people that are outside the church, not just people that are inside. People that are unconnected with God. Next one is a no-brainer. Talk, talk to your coworkers. Um, notice that, that the, the mission statement of Tri-Cities says that we want you to join God's work, God's mission in your communities. There's a plural there on purpose because each one of us has more than one community. We've got our community at home in our house. We've got our neighborhoods. We've got our city. But we also have our work community. There's people at work that, um, and maybe you feel weird about, okay, I can't share my faith. But you can get close to someone. You can get close enough to someone where they see a difference in your life. And when, when they get to the point where there's a crisis or when there's something that they have a question about, they will question you. They will ask you, work on mission. This one's great. Volunteer with nonprofits and civic organizations. Um, there's a great organization called the Family Life Center. That's one that you can, or, uh, you can volunteer for. Um, they've actually moved from East Point to Hapeville. Um, but there's other organizations. Um, Girl Scouts, right, Ashley? Yeah. You could do any of these uh, civic organizations getting, getting to know people there. Uh, participate in city events. Um, we've done this as a church uh, by going to the festivals and having a booth. But participate. Uh, be a help to those if, if there's an effort. And, and I want to stop and mention this. Um, we as a church are sending a team to Hapeville's Paint the Town. And uh, they actually are having a, a kickoff rally this Friday. And uh, if you can paint, if you can hammer, if you can saw, if you can do any of that stuff, um, we have two guys that are in charge. Uh, Shannon, where are you? I lost you. Back row, Shannon, and Josh is helping him kind of up here. But if you want to see one of these guys afterwards, they would be glad to help you get on this road to helping. But, but participate in these, these city events. There's also a, a movie night co coming up. I think each one of our three cities has movies that they show outside. But go and, and meet people. Go and meet people. We did um, a, a great kids event this past week, and there was, an, there was not a lot of, of um, fanfare to it. All it was was a bunch of kids with bubbles in the park. And uh, we thought it was just going to be bubbles in the park, you know, but we intentionally put it out, out in the park because we wanted to be able to meet some, some neighbors. We were able to minister to a little, uh, some, some uh, children who uh, lived in the in-city suites. We were able to reach out to them. And so um, do that. Just participate in city events. Serve your neighbors. That's an easy one. That's one where you just look and you see the need. Um, we've had uh, deaths in the families of both sides of our neighbors, and uh, we brought them flowers. And uh, our neighbor next door is, is, um, has cancer, and we've, we've been over several times. We've visited him in the hospital 
done things like that. Um, easy to do. And then here's my favorite. This is the one I added because this is the Vernon's uh, thing. <laughs> Throw a party. <laughs> Throw a party. We had a, we had a Christmas open house and um, had, had our neighborhood to that, and we, and we loved that. And then we had J.D.'s uh, graduation party, and we invited neighbors to that. So there was a mix of people. But just throw a party. Do what you're already doing. But it's so important that we, we do these things not, not just haphazardly through life, but that we're intentional about them, that we're thinking incarnationally as we do it, that we're on a mission, that we're thinking missionally as we do these things. I want to take us back to, to Jesus and, and, and his mission trip, the great leap he made from the throne of heaven to become a man. What a, great, what a great example that was for us. If any of us think any of these things are too hard or that, that giving a little more effort is too hard, we think back to Jesus and, and the fact that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. That's, that's the gospel. And when we live missionally, we're living out the gospel. We're living out what it was for Jesus to reach out. And so today, um, as always, we're going to end our service with the Lord's Supper. We're going to end our service with, with coming around His table. And uh, this is a time for us to come and commune with Him and to understand that He is with us always, even to the end of the age, as we read earlier. And so as you look in His eyes, would you ask Him to look in yours and ask Him... Is there more that I can do? Is there, is there something that I can, can be for you to live more, a more missional life? As we celebrate the body, which is the, the, the bread, which is the body of Christ, the cup, which is the blood of Christ. We're going to pray. And after I pray, whenever you are ready, um, during the song, you can come to one of the four tables. There's also offering buckets on these four tables. And if you've come prepared to give, you can do that as well. And if you, are, um, if you are just new to all of this and you have questions about what your next step might be, uh, uh, I'll be up here. Uh, Wesley, if you want to be in the back, um, Wesley will be in the back. You can come and you can uh, talk to us. You can pray with us. We would love to talk to you. Maybe if you've never taken the, the step of, of surrendering your life to him fully in, in Christian baptism, we would love to talk to you about that. But if you would, come to the table with questions. Come to the table with questions. Who can I be and what can I do? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you that you are our Father in heaven and that your love is so great that it, that it reached down and, and gave a part of yourself, your Son, that he left heaven and became a man. He lived missionally and he taught us how to live by example, he taught us how to live by spending time with people, by meeting needs. And God, that ultimately he was willing to give his life for us. And today we celebrate that. We thank you that because of that, we can call you our father. We can draw near to you and call you Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. So today we do that as we celebrate the bread and the cup. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.